Thanks for tuning in to the Leadership Lowdown. This is Vic Versero right here on the Michigan Business Network. So glad you joined us. And it is an honor for me to sit in this chair because I oftentimes get to talk to thought leaders and a variety of different people who are making their way in the world and doing great things. And I had a referral from somebody that right here in Lansing that actually said, here's the guy that knows leadership, knows what he's talking about, and is doing great things. So with us today is Pastor Dave Williams. He's part of Strategic Global Mission of uh, the Center for Pace Setting Leadership. I'm sure I messed that title up, but Dave, I'm glad to have you here. Thanks for being a part of this. Thanks for having me, Vic. Yeah, it's great to connect. I've heard so many things about you. There's a number of books that you've written, and you're quite an expert in terms of leadership. And that's the one thing that people that listen to our show love to hear more about. But let's just start at the beginning here. Tell us a little bit about what your current role is, what you're currently doing, and then we'll kind of work our way backwards for a minute. Okay, I'm the leader of the Center for Pace Setting Leadership, where we have seminars in schools, various different courses like the Miracle of Faith Goals, and a lot of entrepreneurs and business people come here to learn how to set and reach their faith goals. And I've discovered that when you set faith goals, you can achieve a hundred to a thousand times more in your life. And it's really not that hard. It's pretty simple. But people come to learn that. They come to learn pace-setting leadership, keys to gaining the leading advantage and bringing benefit to others' lives through the art of pace-setting leadership, because, Vic, as you know, nothing happens without leadership. Mm, So true. You know, and that's what's so funny is that I think what's so important and what I learned so long ago, Dave, and see if you validate this, is that leadership isn't about a title. You can have maybe the least significant position in an organization, but you can be a dynamic and wonderful leader from whatever post you're in. Do you agree with that? I agree with that 100%. A hundred percent. There are what we call superficial leaders that are leaders in title only. Mm, And I say, you know, there's three levels of leadership. There's superficial leadership. Those are the ones that, well, nobody else wants to do it. I'll do it. And they may have a title or they may be the boss's son or boss's daughter and have a title, but they're only skin deep when it comes to leadership. And then you have adequate leadership. They do okay. But what I'd like to create and help people become are what I call master level leaders, Mm. master level leaders. Well, and I'm sure we're going to hear more about that in this whole process. I want to peel that back. I'm just so excited to be talking to a leadership expert like you, and I'm honored, frankly, but I want to just maybe start back at the beginning. You didn't come out of high school with that old leaders are born and here I am. There must have been a journey that put you on the way here. So can we start maybe back at what you feel is the beginning that kind of got you on this path of becoming such a student of leadership? Sure. Right out of high school, I went into the Navy. I joined the Navy. And I was going to school in the Navy. And I was studying leadership because I became what they called a career counselor. And I started finding books on leadership and reading it. I was not a Christian at that time, but I was studying leadership, and that's how it got started. I guess it went in me then, because I didn't have it when I graduated from high school. Isn't that funny? So you're not one of those, hey, you're born with leadership or not. You think you can grow them, right? No, I don't believe that leaders are born. Children are born. Babies are born. (laughs) You know, when I came out, the doctor didn't say, Mrs. Williams, you just... (laughs) gave birth to a little leader. No, you're either a boy or you're a girl. Right. Leadership is something you develop. It's something you become. Very good. 
Well, and so as we think about, you know, some of these early impressions, you know, I love it when we have a chance to talk to people that are such powerful voices in the leadership vein. And I think what is interesting to me is that all of us have similar circumstances where it just seems like every time we turn around, we're put in a leadership position. But part of that, I think, is because we're willing to speak up. We're willing to take action. We're willing to be engaged and focused. Some of those things is what gets everybody's attention say, well, let's make him the president or let's make him or her the head of that organization. Those things happen. And part of it is making the mistakes and finding your way a little bit, right? So it's not like anybody does it perfectly. No, nobody does it perfectly, ever, (laughs) ever. But I've learned that mistakes can turn into miracles. Mm, I love that. You know, and that's one of the things that I think we talk about a lot is some of us really have to be thinking about, you know, making those mistakes. They're not career enders. They're not fatal. And some of the greatest lessons I've ever learned have come from some mistakes. I believe that's probably the same for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I probably will not enumerate them. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because I think a lot of that, Dave, to me, is the power of attitude because a lot of times people have a mistake or they have a tragedy in their life and a lot of bad things happen and they use that annual anniversary of that event. Oh. A classic example for me is a terrible thing that happened to me when I was in high school. My mom died on Christmas morning, okay? So oh, I, can, I can tell you that was a devastating thing for a teenager and I fell into a vat of alcohol and everything else. But let me just tell you something. I love Christmas. I love the reason for the season. I love the twinkle in little kids' eyes. And I absolutely love fruitcake. I am just excited about Christmas. I can't find a good day for my mom to die. And so the fact that it was on Christmas, it was a one-time event, not an annual event. And so that's what I think is so powerful is making sure we got leaders with the right attitudes and looking forward and not backwards. And oh, Dave, I'm so excited that you're here. We're so grateful that you tuned into the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown. We'll be right back after these messages. business as usual. Your office workspace needs to support the way you work today and adapt to your needs tomorrow. DBI is your office environment's partner, a best-in-class preferred Hayworth dealer, creating great spaces to fit your company's brand and personality. DBI draws from an experienced staff of professional installers and certified designers to develop a working environment to meet your most exacting standard. Learn more at dbiyes.com. found the Leadership Lowdown right here on the Michigan Business Network, and we found Pastor Dave Williams. He is head of the Center for Pace Setting Leadership, and we're having lots of fun talking about leadership today. And I want to ask you, David, as you talk about your uh, situation, you went to the Navy. Thank you for your service. But tell me, after the service wrapped up, was it a clear-cut path to where you're leading from there, or were a few missteps here and there? Well, you know, my spiritual journey actually 
I had what was called orthodoxy. You know, I believed all the right things. But if I would have died, I would have gone to the wrong place. (laughs) (laughs) And I saw these guys on the ship. They were always happy. And anyway, they told me about this church they were going to. And I said, well, if you ever need a ride, I'll give you a ride. And I had a 63 Ford Futura. We loaded up in that car on a Monday night. And they took me 85 miles north of San Diego (laughs) to this church meeting. And they were hippies and business people. And I'd never seen anything like it in my life. And the preacher got up and he talked for about an hour and 10 minutes, I think. And then he asked anybody would like to have their life changed by the Lord. And I raised my hand. You would have thought I caught a football. They started tackling me. And, you know, that changed my life. I mm. became a believer. My orthodoxy now became orthopraxy. Now I was practicing what I believed rather than just believing what I believed. Yeah. And that changed my life. I felt called to the ministry, so I got my college courses done. I got my certificate. I went up for ordination and somehow made it. And the next thing you know, I'm called to be a pastor. And I didn't start Mount Hope Church, but I started pastoring Mount Hope Church. We had 125 members, 226 attenders, and it wasn't long, 1,200, 1,800. And, you know, the height of the ministry, we had like 6,000 adherents just in the mother church. But then we planted 43 other daughter churches around Michigan. Mm. So that was the path. Well, as you get into that, there's no way that you build an organization like that. And let's all just set aside that there's a lot of God work that was going on that was helping you. But when you think about the things that's necessary, it's done with a large staff and it's also done with some people that are leading the way in volunteer efforts and a lot of different things. Are there some principles there that as you're riding this wave of this juggernaut church, if you will, that all of a sudden you start realizing, I've got to get some systems in place. I've got to get some things organized here because this thing is getting big and I need to make sure we can uh, do the right things and serve the right way as we get bigger. Well, it involves selecting the right people for the right job. And in the beginning, I guess budgetary measures didn't allow too many staff members at that time. So I employed lay people. And that was a great move, and I didn't even realize how good it was, because it involved people, just regular lay people. They were ministers, but they weren't pastors or reverends or anything like that. And they felt apart, and we began to have volunteer events where people would volunteer, like we started having passion play, and all these people volunteered, and it developed a camaraderie among the people. And... It just was a beautiful experience. And like you say, you got to have a good team. Well, and but, part of it, you mentioned selecting the right people. I think we're always looking for the most direct path. Is there a recipe when you start thinking about the right people you want to surround yourself? I know there's, you know, the old story, the right people on the right bus and the right seats, all that kind of stuff. But right. tell me, as a leader of this kind of dynamic organization, what are the attributes you're looking for out of people? Well, I look for, number one, a servant's heart. I don't want somebody that just wants a title, like we talked about earlier. I want somebody that wants to serve the people and serve, you know, for God, be a representative of the Lord for the people. And I want somebody that's teachable. If somebody knows it all, they're not going to be good delegates. Right. So, and then I want to see people at the prayer meeting, not just the feasts, not just the pot. 
potlucks. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Because anybody can show up and say hello to everybody and load their plate up at a potluck. But your point is, is that is the prayer meetings, that's where your head's down and you're working on and thinking about those issues that are making you better and people around you better, right? Right. And it's a church, so you want the leaders to have a spiritual life. And so I look for them at the prayer meeting. We had a good group, Vic. We had a good bunch. Yeah, it makes a difference, doesn't it? It does. But every now and then you get somebody who thinks they can do your job better than you can, and you have to deal with them. Yeah, well, and that really is part of the big thing, especially when you get around volunteers or organizations that, especially when there's emotions and different things going on, and it isn't always the board of directors like it is down in the middle of a business meeting and such. But, wow, so many things for us to talk about. So glad you're here, Dave. So glad you tuned in to the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown. I'm Vic Vercero. We'll be right back. Coach takes care of your travel so you can support your favorite Spartan teams and focus on the important things. Visit DeanTrailways.com, book your next Spartan trip, and make Dean Trailways your favorite ride. Welcome back to the Leadership Lowdown right here on the Michigan Business Network. Pastor Dave Williams, Center for Pace-Setting Leadership, is with us today. And I have to tell you, Dave, I just really am so grateful for what it's pouring out of you. And there's so much rich content here for those of us that want to be leaders. And I just want to suggest that great leadership comes in many different packages. And we can learn how to be better leaders sometimes by watching horrific ones. (laughs) And we can also become better leaders by just knowing that we can draw leadership suggestions and concepts from all different formats. And so even though people aren't in ministry or even dealing with volunteers, some of what you talk about is this whole notion of looking for people with servants' hearts, having a teachable attitude, and how deep spiritually are they living their life, right? Those are the kind of people that you can really go to the Super Bowl with and win in big ways, no matter whether you're in business or whether you're in volunteer work. So when I think about your situation, you were blessed with the building of this big church, a lot of hands going into that, a lot of great things happening. But along the way, you decided to document some of what you learned by writing some books. And I'm excited about that because I want to know in your mind, what were some of the things that motivated you to say, you know what, this is so unique, so important that we need to document this. Where did that come from? How'd that start? Well, I wrote the book, The Art of Pace Setting Leadership. It's in its third edition right now, and we can barely keep it in stock. So I wrote that because I wanted particularly pastors to be training their people that God sent to their church 
in the art of pace-sitting leadership, which is servant's heart, teachable attitude, and so forth, that they can actually get the leading edge by training others to be leaders in the church. And that's all part of, I guess, what they would call it is discipleship. But we talk about you don't have to be a perfect leader, but you have to have a perfect heart. Mm -hmm. That's the most important thing. And we talk about various things. You know, what do you do when you're facing a lot of stress? The importance of a positive, faith-filled attitude, sense of mission, and commitment to excellence, and so forth. We put that all in this book, The Art of Pace-Sitting Leadership, and we put it on video, and it's being used in churches around the United States and South Africa, and some of the English-speaking countries have it. And we were told by a fella in Siberia, he was a missionary in Siberia, that he could only find 12 Christians in the whole city where he was. So he ran these videos, the Art of Pace-Setting Leadership. They were old VHS videos, <laughs> yeah. you know, two generations ago. And he started playing them in this town, and people started coming because they wanted to learn how to be leaders. And he told me firsthand, he said, Dave, he said, within a month, it had doubled. He said, within a year, we had 500 people meeting to learn these leadership principles. Mm. And it was dubbed in the Russian language. So they were watching it in Russian. Somebody interpreted it. And so I don't know what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> My mouth was moving, but yeah. there was another voice coming out. <laughs> out of body and spirits, as they say. <laughs> right. Uh, and so that's why I wrote The Art of Pace-Setting Leadership. And then the sequel to that is Emerging Leaders. That's another book. And then another one of my leadership books is called The Miracle of Faith Goals. That's been a big one. Yeah. How to achieve 100 to 1,000 times more in your life. Well, those are just three intriguing titles all the way. And I think when you think about some of the elements, I mean, without giving away the content of each of the books, and we don't have a lot of time before we go to break here, but when you think about major takeaways in the art of pace-setting leadership, if I read that book today, what would be the elements that you think I would walk away with? Probably you'd walk away with avoiding the pitfalls on the pace setter's path. Because the final chapters, we talk about pitfalls on the pace setter's path. In other words, what to watch out for, what other leaders have fallen into mm. that you can avoid. That's brilliant, Dave. Honestly, because think about what I've always looked for. I've never taken the easy way out. I've always worked really hard, probably to my family's detriment. But I can also tell you this. I've always loved it when I could get a hold of a leader like you and be able to take the shorter path because you showed me some of the pitfalls, some of those things you want to look for and give me the focus on getting there right. And if that's the content of that book right there, that's worth the price of admission because that's so powerful to be able to put people in the right path and expedite their journey. Exactly. That's exactly what I did too, Vic. I would buy secular books on leadership and not just, you know, religious books on leadership, but I would read Victor Kayam, you know, the uh, Naralco guy or whatever yep, he was, yep. and the guy with Chrysler. Coca. Lee Iacocca, I read his book. I would read biographies. If 
by them because I want a shorter path. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're shortening a lot of people's path right here today because you're sharing some of your great information. We're so glad you did and so glad you tuned into the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown. We're going to pay some bills and come right back. Even if you just get an hour, imagine a stress-relieving treatment, hand and arm massage, and a free makeup touch-up. Does this happen every time you have your hair done? It does at Douglas J Salon. Get the entire experience exclusively using Avita products. Guests have experienced the Douglas J difference for 45 years. Douglas J with two locations, inside the Marriott Hotel and in Okemos. Make your reservation at either professional salon by calling 877-334-8657 or visit douglasj.com today. This is the Leadership Lowdown, and I have right here on the Michigan Business Network, Dave Williams. He is the head of the Center for Pace Setting Leadership and has a number of books out that are just rich with leadership content, and I'm so glad he's sharing some of that with us. And they're such big volumes, if you will, of great material, great information that you need to get the book. But here's something that I think is really exciting. We talked about avoiding pitfalls as a leader, but then the other thing that you mentioned in our conversation off the air was how to teach people. And it goes back to something that I think is really important because there are different ways to teach. I'm an old FFA boy, so future farmers used to say, you know, learning by doing. And so there's lots of different ways that people learn. But tell me, where are you going with that whole thing about helping people show the way in terms of teaching others? Vic, I believe, probably as you do, that as leaders, the very first thing we have to do is build trust. And then secondly, we have to create value for others. And so when I write a book, I'm always thinking, what's in it for the reader, not what's in it for me. Right. And when I wrote The Art of Pace Sitting Leadership, I knew that part of leadership is being an effective teacher. Not perfect, but effective. Mm-hmm. I had heard about an old guy named Walt who had the biggest Sunday school class in the whole county. He would bring sheep in. He was just an old farm boy. <laughs> he had like a sixth grade education. Yep. But he was the best Sunday school teacher in the whole county. I mean, kids flocked to his Sunday school class because he'd bring sheep in, he'd bring goats in, and he'd (laughs) illustrate. Yeah. So the purpose of teaching is not just to show people how much you know. The purpose of teaching is to motivate and inspire the Mm. people that are listening to you. So we have to educate them, but we have to give them practical applications and that's what many people don't do. They get up and they're so boring. They go on and on and on and drone on and on and never give you an illustration no. or an example. But teaching should do more than just educate. It should cause a change in attitude. Yeah. And so we show people how to change people's attitude and bring them to a greater maturity 
through your teaching, and I just believe that there's a way to make it burn in people's hearts. You know, one of the disciples said, did not our hearts burn within us Yeah, yeah. Uh, as, as he taught us? And you want to make something burn in people. So they're saying the same things. They're talking about it. They're telling others about it. Right. Well, you know, it's one of those things, and I think you're probably the same way. I always judge how we're doing when I'm talking with somebody. If I'm telling a story, I like to make it engaging and fun and kind of draw them in. And if somebody goes to their phone when I'm in the middle of telling a story, I'm like, really? (laughs) So I'm either failing or they're failing at one or the other. But all I know is what you just said is that when we want to share information with people, especially in a leadership teaching role, it's not about imparting just data and information and making it one way. It's about engaging them so you have this conversation along the way. And whether it's coming up to the front of the class and touching the sheep or whether it's asking them, now, are we clear on what this is? Tell me what I said in your words. And those are the ways when I know I'm connecting with people from a learning standpoint. That's right. And nobody wants to be a data dump. Right. (laughs) So, you know, we tell people communicate in a way the audience can understand. Don't talk too much and make sure you're prepared and make sure you're talk is helpful. Right. So, so and on target in that regard. So I just oh, yeah. love that. You know, we have an old saying in the sales business, which is you can't teach a pig to sing. It annoys the pig and wastes the time. And so I think that that's kind of a goofy scenario. But the whole point is we need to find willing students and we need to have the right people around us that are eager to learn. And I don't know, Dave, can you put that learning eagerness into people or is that something they show up to the job with? Well, here's what I heard Steve Scott say. He said, you've heard the phrase, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Right. He said, you can't make him drink, but you can make him want to drink if you give him enough salt. <laughs> there you go. He gets thirsty and he wants to drink. So he talks about salting the horse. Yeah. And there is a way to salt the horse to make people want to sit there and learn. Yeah, very nice. Well, and that's really part of leadership is understanding the role and the direction that you're in and trying to figure out, do you have the right people? And how do you motivate those people? How do you touch them? And I think in so many ways, what you've done here in your process is you've surrounded yourself with great people and you give them some great tools. And of course, The Art of Pace Setting Leadership is a fantastic book that I can't wait to dig into. I think there's some truth and answers there. Dave, so glad you're here and so glad we have time here on the Leadership Lowdown to talk about these important leadership issues right here on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Versero. We'll be right back. The attorneys of Foster Swift, Collins & Smith offer legal counsel to businesses, families, individuals, and municipalities throughout Michigan with offices in Lansing, Farmington Hills, Grand Rapids, Detroit, Marquette, and Holland. 
Clients know they can count on Foster Swift for all their legal needs, from straightforward wills to sophisticated business transactions and complex litigation. Learn more about Foster Swift and how they can assist you at fosterswift.com. found the Leadership Lowdown, and we found Pastor Dave Williams. He is the head of the Center for Pace Setting Leadership and the author of a number of great books that can really change the world if you think about the world of leadership and some of the ways that we can help people grow. And as you were sharing with us the title of the books that you have, one of them is Emerging Leaders. And tell me, in your mind, define emerging leaders for us. Well, emerging leaders are what I call a new breed of leadership for the third millennium. Mm the 21st century leader, and they're amazing. You met one that I talk about in the intro of this book was Jerome. Absolutely. (laughs) Jerome is what I call back then an emerging leader when I wrote the book. They march to a different beat. Yep, well put. They're creative, they're fresh, they're unconventional in their approach. They don't wait to feel perfect before they do something. Mm, Yeah. They're out there. But one thing about emerging leaders, these emerging leaders that I've noticed, is they know what they want. Mm. There's a sense of clarity. There is a clarity. They know what they want. And there's a Bible verse, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Mm. If you don't know what you want, there isn't a prayer of you getting what you want. (laughs) Right. Pray all you want. If you don't know what it is you're after, (laughs) it's not coming. I'm sorry. I got just a funny view of God looking down going, what do you want me to do with this? (laughs) 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 Yeah. I just don't know. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, once a year I taught a practical pastoral ministries class. And pastors would come and pastoral students would come. And I would say, I want you to write down 50 things you really want in your ministry. Mm. And do you know, all the years I taught that, I think there was only one time a person could list 50 things that they really wanted. Wow. It was too hard for them to do because they'd never really thought about what they wanted. And so one thing about these emerging leaders, they know what they want. Mm. And even before you pray, you better know what you want. Well, I think it's interesting to me when you say that, because I can tell you, especially when I talk to young people, one thing I think is really exciting when I see a young person that might be a high school individual or a young person in college, and they're looking and they tell me what they're going to do with their life. And they really are clear. It's not like, well, I thought I'd try, you know, business administration because I thought I would, you know, no, they know exactly what they're going to do. And you know, Dave, what we find with those people that have that kind of clarity, they end up where they want to be way ahead of everybody else because they went in a straight line to it. They actually move with purpose in all of that. And I think that's really something that I think is really clear. And I love what you're talking about because Jerome, I just am so impressed with in terms of what he does here in the city of Lansing. And one of the things I get so excited about is just the, I think it is, crystal clear clarity of where he and his team want to go. And they're enthused, man. They're rocking and rolling with energy. And that energy, people get attracted to that, don't they? Oh, very much so. Yeah. Jerome was a rap guy. Yeah. We did rap music. (laughs) And we would have him, and older people in our church usually would hate that stuff. Sure. But Jerome had such a countenance, 
even the older people were clapping their hands. <laughs> well, I think the music business calls it dropping a new album. I think he just dropped a new album because I know he's out of town on a sabbatical right now. But last I talked to him, he was dropping the album and then heading out of town. So, I, uh, you know, I've got a man crush on him because I think he's just one of the coolest guys around. And so it's kind of fun, yeah, to, fun to see him, though. So tell me, I don't want to run us out of time because I'm going to launch this one here and we'll have to get into it in the next segment. But the other one is the Miracle of Faith Goals. And you mentioned Faith Goals at the very beginning of the show and I hadn't heard that expression. Tell me the brief overview of that and we'll catch up with it in the next segment. Well, I did a seminar. My first seminar on Faith Goals was in Nashville and there was a guy there. He was so enthused. He was writing down his Faith Goals and somebody said, oh, I've studied all that goal stuff. It never works. (laughs) And he looked at him and said, these aren't regular goals. These are faith goals. (laughs) So faith goals are goals that are so big you need some faith to see them realized. Wow. You had a tagline, and I don't mean to diminish that, but you had another sentence there that when you have faith goals, it helps you accomplish thousands percent more. How did that go? A hundred to a thousand times more in your life. You can accomplish a hundred to a thousand times more in your life with faith goals. Yeah. You know, and I have to tell you, you know, one of the things that we always talk about with me and some of my friends is the old thing of don't put God in a box. And that simply means that sometimes we have smaller plans than what he has for us. And so, wow, can you imagine a life that is just without those kind of borders and minimums of things you can accomplish? And, you know, as I think about what you've accomplished and the leadership you've provided here, Dave, it's just fantastic. And so glad you joined us here on the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown. I'm Vic Versero. We'll be right back. rates for a home equity line of credit? Ask for LaughQ. Stop in today or go to LaughQ.com slash home equity. LaughQ, your credit union for life. This is the Leadership Lowdown right here on the Michigan Business Network. We're in our final segment with Pastor Dave Williams. I'm so sad how fast this time has gone with you, Dave, and I'm so grateful for all the information you've given us. But, you know, we were just talking about your third book, which was Miracle of Faith Goals. And I just wonder, there's got to be in your life some examples of things that were bigger than you that you decided to make them one of your goals, not having a clue how you're going to get there, right? Not having a clue. Here's what I've learned, Vic. I've learned never bring the how phase into the what phase. Oh, that's beautiful. This is where most boards go wrong. You know, you say what you're going to do, and then there's, well, how are we going to do that? How are we going to do that? And after all the talking's done, everybody's faith is 
gone and you don't do it because you can't figure out how. I've learned to commit to the what before I know how. Wow, that's this just, is a, man, that's a outstanding. Faith goals, I believe. Yeah, it's outstanding. See, that's I, worth the price of admission right there. I had it on my heart to build a healing center, mm-hmm. Gilead Healing Center, and it would be multiple millions of dollars. We'd have to staff it. We'd have to get equipment. Didn't know how we were going to do it, but I committed to it. We broke ground for it. And today, Gilead Healing Center sits there. They teach people on weekends. They teach people during the week. They have a medical doctor there, chiropractor there, physical therapist there, helping people throughout the week at this healing center. I had no idea how we were going to do it. We paid cash, $2 million, $2.5 million or so. I don't know how the cash came in, but it came in. But we still needed $2 million worth of medical equipment. And I had no idea how we were going to do that. But I had a faith movie, a vision of that healing center sitting where it is today on Christ's Road. And I had a faith goal that we would do it. Well, the guy we selected to be the director just happened to be out one day, and he met the president of some medical group that was downsizing their clinics, and they had all this medical equipment they needed to donate to a nonprofit organization. (laughs) Pick me, pick me. (laughs) Vic, no, he told them about Gilead Healing Center. Vic, we got $2 million worth of medical equipment absolutely free, some of it was still in the box, never open. Oh, my word. We had so much medical equipment, we had to call a guy from Texas to bring his truck here. We loaded up his truck with medical equipment and sent it to his Vietnam medical clinic. Wow. So if you set faith goals, that's why I say faith. It's like you're putting your faith out there. Now, people will say, but what if it doesn't happen? What if it doesn't happen? When our church was 712 members, I started projecting a vision for a 3,000-seat worship center. And older people came running up to me, we don't need 3,000 seats. 1,200 seats would be good. We've only got 700 people here now. And I said, yeah, but it's going to be 3,000. Well, we started building it. Oh, it's always a problem building something like that. We built our (laughs) 3,000-seat church. The largest expansion of steel ever in the history of Michigan, the first time. And there was just many things that they had to solve in building that 3,000-seat church. When we opened, the very day we opened, there were 2,800 people. (laughs) Wow. With a little elbow room to spare. (laughs) With a little, we almost had to go to two services when we moved into it. So, and that was a faith goal. I'm not qualified. You know, people may be listening today and they say, well, I'm not qualified for something like that. You're qualified if you have faith. And a faith goal is an action of faith. I'm seeing that. And you know the story of Lee Braxton. He retired when he was 44 years old. He wanted to work at the bank, but he couldn't because he didn't have the education. So he started his own bank. (laughs) <laughs> he became the chairman of the board of the First National Bank, and he owned the bank. And then he became mayor of Whiteville, North Carolina. He had a whole list of achievements he made. How did he do it? 
faith goals. He wow. retired when he was 44 and went to work for one of the nation's top evangelists in helping him get on television and do his ministry. Well, and it goes back to don't put God in a box. You know, there's so many things that can happen if you just decide that, hey, I don't know how, but let's talk about the what. And I just love that. That just puts everything into perspective for us. Wow, Dave, you have been a total blessing to me today. I hope to the audience as well. So much to learn from you. You've got these books available. How do people get a hold of them? Well, my web address is DaveWilliams.com. And everything we talked about today is on Amazon. And then if they want to get a hold of you or your ministries as such, where do they turn? DaveWilliams.com. Very good. Well, my word, you and I have not personally met yet, but I hope that's in my future with you, sir. I'm so grateful for what you've done here today on our program for Leadership Lowdown. So many leadership lessons for us to learn. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you. Thank you, Vic. Thank you very much. All the best to all the listeners out there on the Michigan Business Network. Thanks for tuning in to Leadership Lowdown. We'll talk to you next time.